What is going on in Zobadiah? Today we are back with another episode of Music Girl Hideout, where we hang out with artists, musicians, and entertainers in Whaley Jennings' old basement studio. And as always, I am here with co-host Ryan Poole, who I'll pass it to for the intro. Tonight we have somebody I'm super stoked about. This is the man, the myth, the legend, the, uh, I got no other titles, Sean Moffat. Sean is a mixing engineer originally from Connecticut, now based here in Nashville, Tennessee, or would you say Franklin or Brentwood? Uh, you know, South Nashville is fun. Southern Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. We were just talking about We were talking about Nashville Southern regions before Nashville this. area. Yeah. <laughs> Brentwood's fun. Whatever. It doesn't matter. And Sean has mixed some of our favorite records. Um, some of my favorites include Ben Rector, uh, the new one, right? Parts of it, yes. Pieces. Yes, we'll get into all that and yes. how that breaks out. Yep. In fact, I have a, a question for that. Yeah. But Ben Rector, Colony House, Andrew Bell, Lauren Daigle, Toby Mack, and like 300 others. I literally thought uh, it would be hilarious before this interview to go through your discography. Just have the entire list. Yeah, and have video me reading the whole thing, but then have it progressively get faster and faster. Like they do those YouTube videos till the end. It's like, Toby Mack. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so Sean's a mixing engineer. He's uh, done an album for me in the past, which is how we met. And we're super excited to have him here. Which was Roger's album, Roger, right? Yeah. And, 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 is, and you guys have been show, on the he's podcast. podcast a couple times. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. played those songs here. Yeah, so well, I love those songs. Dude, so. thanks. Stoked to be here, for sure. <laughs> so what are we drinking tonight, Sean? Oh, actually, we are we drinking. Oh, it's like way back yeah, we're, Here we go. <laughs> well. The guys <laughs> asked me uh, what I'd like to drink tonight, and I think I maybe were, was a little unique in asking for Urban Green Juice. From Whole Foods, uh, happened to like oh, the way it yours? makes me feel when I drink it. So, and they were nice enough to get it for me. No. So, there's what a green is in that? Uh, apples, like cucumbers, plants. celery, kale, cilantro, and limes. All right, my wife would love this. Yeah, I need to hear your reaction to it, Jerry. It's fine. Tastes like uh, after you mow the lawn. Yeah, that's perfect. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. exactly what it tastes yeah, like. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I'm that's not what a I'm huge going for. green with a little citrus fan. With, with a citrus, little, yeah, a little switch. Sure, you get used sour. to it too. It's an acquired taste, I think. Mm-hmm. But for me, it makes me feel better. I guess you know. So I yeah, appreciate yeah, I it very much. You know, oh yeah, thank you. I hear you. Yeah, the I went to a juice place with my wife like a week, couple weeks ago, and uh, I wanted the least green thing they had, mm-hmm. which was actually pretty difficult to do at a place that does this stuff. Yeah. But they had one that literally had one spinach leaf. It was like all fruit, mango, <laughs> banana, and one spinach leaf. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's the one for me. Yeah, I that... still taste the spinach. I was like, you're freaking <laughs> kidding me with this? It, it tends to cut through, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't be in the smoothie. <laughs> Dude, so um, let's jump right in. Yeah. Uh, basic question, how'd you get into music? But coupled with, why are you in music? Okay. Um, Why are you still here? After you got here and realized what this is, you're still here. Why? <laughs> well, uh, how I got into music, I started out as a drummer when I was younger, um, you know, mid- early middle school. Uh, played out through high school. Um, and then after high school, played in bands uh, at, at you know, 19, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old. Um, played with a lot of different bands and realized real quick that although I, I really love playing drums, I, I just didn't feel like I was going to be able to be good enough to get where I needed to go doing yeah. that. So um, I had to figure out something else. Uh, I love music. I was really passionate about just the arts and all that thing. So, uh, you know, I played drums a lot in the studio. 
uh, over the years, and and I just kind of got fascinated with the other side of the glass, I guess, and and just that's how I started to kind of get interested in it for sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and uh, but you know, I mean, obviously, when when especially here, you know, this is a music place, and I, for me, music uh, is the only thing that kind of makes sense uh, professionally for me. I, I, I couldn't really envision, or I, I always envision me doing other stuff, but nothing ever feels natural. And, and so I'm just really great, grateful to be able to like do this, you know, Yeah. while the opportunity is there, you know, so. Yeah. Now, how did you, how did you hone in on mixing? Did you start like from the beginning, I'm going to mix or did it get there? No, I mean, I think like all young aspiring audio guys, you're kind of like, all right, well, anything audio, I'm in. Like, you know, whatever I can, you know, get a paycheck doing, um, you know, sign me up. Give me, you know, anything to just do audio, you know? I mean, did you ever do hotel sound? No. Oh, actually, <laughs> I did. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I, when I was back in Connecticut, <laughs> I worked for a, a guy named Steve Whitus, who I is I really, really respect, and he's he's still like has an incredible business of what he does. But he did. Um, a lot of uh, audio for like IBM and mm. a lot of audio for a whole bunch of other sort of corporate America, New York City area. So for years, I learned, I mean, that's how I learned signal flow was just doing like corporate audio, lapel miking, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, you know, even broadcasting to the web for webinars and stuff like that. Like, why does it always sound gross no matter what I do? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, those are all really good things. And so, you know, growing, growing up and, 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 you know, I just kind of took every opportunity I could. And, you know, once I started to kind of get into, you know, audio, you know, workstations and Pro Tools and Nuendo or whatever reason and stuff, I just got into editing and then slowly, you know, convinced some people to let me record them. And, and I just started to realize that w whenever I had the opportunity to be a part of the whole process, I just really f enjoyed mixing the most. So I decided I wanted to kind of focus on that, you know. Nice. So, and another thing about mixing I feel is that, uh, I, I think there's just a, there's just always a really healthy need for it. Um, mm. it's like you, you know, you ask any music community member that hires mixers, they're always like, oh yeah, you know, you've ever heard of new mixers? I think, I think there's just always like a need. Uh, whereas, uh, uh I don't know. I just, I feel, I feel like it's like a good place to be and it's a good fit. Try to get me. work as a producer, man. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. you know, uh, uh, in, in, in audio and in the industry, a lot of lines are blurred, but I feel like the mixer's role is kind of still stayed at kind of established and, and the need is still kind of, it hasn't gotten hit too bad, you know? So yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. So is it being established to make it easier to get into it or does that make it more difficult? Uh, in, that, in like it, since it hasn't it's pretty much what it is and you mix and that's what it is i don't mm -hmm. i don't mix so i could be <laughs> woohoo i have no idea what i'm talking about but does it since it is so established in what it is and it's not as blurred lines as maybe some other roles correct does that make it easier i or think more so difficult? yeah i think so i mean although i mean any song you know can have a wide variety of challenges or and be completely different but you know, I, I I do think that you know, like a songwriter can wear so many hats within the song, and a, a producer can wear so many hats within the production of a record. You know, it, it, you're right. I mean, mixing is kind of like there's one goal. You take mm -hmm. a vision of a team that gives you a song, and you try to make it better. Make you know, it awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is nice to have just a very finite sort of north star on that. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so backing up one second, and this can be short answer, but yeah. just for the laymen who are watching. Uh, what is mixing? Well, uh, mixing. Taking it real down to the, yeah. the building yeah, yeah, block. Yeah, yeah, no. Right? I mean, straight like 
you know, basically a band or an artist spends time with themselves or a producer and they record music. Um, a lot of times that music is separated in individual tracks. Um, and hopefully by the time that, you know, they're done with the song, you know, they're digging it. And I take all those tracks and I blend them down to two. And hopefully they sound better than they did before they came in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed a lot of people um, like on the, the below pro level, I would say, like don't know the difference between mixing and mastering. I often call them the opposite things. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I've experienced those lines being blurred pretty often. Yeah, I know what you mean. Have you noticed everybody thinks mastering is more important? Like, if they're not, if they're not in the industry. Um, and not, not making a real value judgment. But I have a lot of people like, it's going to get mastered though, right? Are you going to master it? Please master it. <laughs> I just think it's because like the 90s when everything was coming out digitally remastered. Right, digitally remastered. They just know right, that right. term. Yeah. Please well, master it though, right? And yeah. then remaster it. <laughs> Right, you get yeah, that yeah. real digital. I'm effect. like, bro, yeah, the mix yeah, yeah. is the time. Is the thing that's going to take the most time. Right, that's absolutely. the part that's going to be good or not. Yeah, so, no, no. I mean, I, I actually really, I, I've learned to truly love the mastering process and records that I've worked on because if you work with the right guy, I mean, it's just an incredible experience, and it is, it, it can make or break something, you know, completely yeah. as far as you know, it's the finish line, you know. Um, yeah. You know, so hopefully, hopefully it's just a great experience. But mastering is important if it's done well. And it's, and it actually is. We're going to have Dan Scheich on in a few weeks. Love Dan. And so we can have Dan. Dan can be yeah. the other well, side I was of the say, argument. We could, I mean, just to set the record straight now. <laughs> yeah. For people who don't know, what is the difference? Like, you know. Oh, I mean? Well, so he said mixing, you're putting together all the and tracks. Then, okay. You're taking like 25 ingredients. I've been cooking recently. So I've, I've been thinking <laughs> yeah, yeah. about this. You're taking the 25 ingredients, you're blending them all together and figuring out how that's going to work well in a thing right. when you make a meal. Right. Okay, I haven't thought about how mastering relates. I was going to say, me. where is this well, going? What does mastering do then? <laughs> Maybe well, they put it on the plate, they make sure it looks nice, they the put the garnishment the on. No, I, the way I look <laughs> yeah. at it is I have to take, you know, between 20 or 150 tracks, right. bring them down to two, right. make those two tracks sound good, and then Dan or any other really great mastered engineer like him We'll take that one track and make my track hopefully sound better. You know, yeah, it's just true. one more step of enhancement, and um, so it's like the last like five ten percent, kind of just to make it wh whatever it is. It's just not, not to it, make you label a percentage. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's just it's just the final step okay. to make sure that um, yeah, you know, I I I always find great uh, when especially when we go to the right people like Dan or you know other guys like. It's it's always a you know you, you know that they have your back you know they're looking out for you making yep. sure that you know over the course of a record you know you're you're staying staying on the rails you know so <laughs> yeah I saw somebody compare it before like a car and it was like the master I forget all the stages in between but mastering <laughs> was like taking your really nice Corvette and then like putting on a brand new coat of wax and like a hot model on it. <laughs> yeah, in a perfect world for sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's enhancement. That's what that's always the goal, not correction, you know. Yeah. So Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's maybe we could play one of those Colony House songs just to show people yeah, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Take a quick break from conversation. Let's do uh waiting for my time to go. I love that song. You you mixed that one? Yeah, that's that's, that's one my, of my favorites. Yeah. That's one of my favorites on the record. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is Waiting for My Time to Come by Colony House, mixed by Sean Moffat, who's sitting to my double left. Today 
not my day I don't have the cards to play I've settled down I've learned Be patient now Let the fire burn I'm just waiting on the seasons to change Waiting for the good to fall I could lose my cool like a restless fool But I'm waiting for my time to come I've tried I've failed I thought I gave my all Now it's hard to back 
Oh my gosh. I said and we're back. You wow, always you, say know. and we're back. What the hell? You're just <laughs> pushing me out little by little. I just <laughs> jacked your intro. Yeah. Re-intro. And we're back. Now I'll unmute us. No. Yeah. <laughs> you got it out of your system. Um, okay. So um, I was just telling Sean while we were listening to that, that uh, so I've been aware of your name, Sean, for like, I don't know, five years maybe. Mm-hmm. And it all, the first time I ever heard your name, somebody from uh, a Christian studio that did <laughs> worship music mostly, as far as I know, in CCM. Yeah. A guy who worked for them was, he's like, oh, I'm going to this guy, Sean Moffat's house, dropping off a hard drive. He mixes a lot for Christian mixer guy or uh, producer guy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, Sean Moffat, worship CCM music guy. And I drilled into my brain and I'm like, okay, cool. He works with big people, but I don't do that style of music myself and I don't want my stuff to sound like Christian music, so I'll never use him. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I put you in my brain. Yeah. Years later, I saw that you had worked on Andrew Bell's new record and Colony House. And I was like, wait a minute. Those are really cool bands that I like a lot that have cool vibey sounds. That's the opposite of what I think of when I think of like Christian worship mixes. And I'm like, didn't know what to believe anymore. The same guy's doing both. (laughs) And then I was like, okay. So when it came down to mixing Roger's new record, I was like, Dude, let's call let's call Sean. Yeah. Like, if like he did those records, then he can do what I'm doing because what I'm doing is very much in that vein. And I used you, and it was great. So, can we talk about that? And like, what do you? How do you? Is there a separation in your head between the two? Are they different worlds for you? How do you bridge that gap? I think it's a really interesting topic, and I, I think it's also just personal. Like, I just needed to confess. I just needed a confession in my heart that, like, I judged you. Completely wrote him off the Will first you time you heard his me? name. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, it, that, wow. that, that's, totally, that's totally cool, and, and I, I, can, I would probably feel the same way, you know? It's okay if you call him a dick. I mean, but I understand where you're coming from on that, and, and I, you know, but to answer your question, you know, I really do view a song to mix as a song to mix. And very often the content, the lyric, the melody, and the vision makes its way out in the mix strictly because of what it is. Mm. And uh, so worship music, because of the melody, the song, you know, the chords, the emotion that the producer's trying to get out of it, instantly yields itself to that, you know, sort of thing. And I'm just trying to take that mood and enhance it, you know. Whereas if you take a Andrew Bell track or you know something like a dirty or stanky or indie or whatever, you know those tracks are ye- are pushing you in that direction. So I don't view it as a genre. I, f- I view it as a track pushing you in a certain direction. Mm. And worship music pushes you in a very similar direction often. And hopefully, as years go by, uh, you know we'll be get pushed in even farther directions. You know and. And hopefully my dream would be that everything just kind of merges and kind of blends and and it just becomes music. Because to me, that's what it's always been. You know, Mm -hmm. it's never been worship. It's never been country. It's never been any of that. It's just been music with a goal. And I have to try to help get it there, you know? Yeah. So um, but for me personally, as like a man of faith, I mean, what a what a you know, amazing gift it is to be able to help like work on music that helps other people be encouraged in their faith. So yeah. I've always 
um, on that side of things and, you know, worship music and Christian music, I've always considered it a massive honor, you know, to be a part of it and wouldn't trade any of it. You know, I'm very, very thankful. But music to me is music, you know? Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we do have a very specific question. Mm. Okay. <laughs> From Boblin Duck. Mm-hmm. Says he loves your mixes. On some of your mixes, it sounds uh, like you hear some side chains compression from the kick on the uh, overhead cymbals. Any thoughts on side chain compression? Yeah. Um, for, by the way, sorry, real quick. Mm -hmm. For people in like this industry, that's not a script. Sure, sure. <laughs> I'm like, yes, like, what a great and logical, normal question oh, to ask. Right. I'm like, for the internet <laughs> as a whole, very specific. You're all, whoa, yeah. what is I'm this? Like, all right, we, have to, we're on, we on, might have to break it down a little for the thoughts uh, on side chain peoples. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for, uh, what is side chain compression, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. what do you think about it? <laughs> I love that question, I, by the way. I can honestly say that I've never side chained my overheads with the kick drum. Yeah, it's, but uh, it's, if he's hearing sort of pumping on the overheads, it's probably just compression on the overheads. But I do love side chaining, um, but definitely I, I love side chaining kick to other instruments, but not really overheads. But um, I'm glad he listens to music. <laughs> okay, what, do you, what do you side chain? What do you side chain? I mean, for instance, Depends if you're, on the if you're using like mo more of a popper, like you know, dancey kind of track, you can you know, side chaining is essentially taking you know a transient of some sort, like a kick drum, and sending it to a compressor. Which, when the kick drum hits, it ducks the signal that the compressor's on. So, in, in often case, you take a bass and you just, you, you, the kick drum would knock the bass down every single time the mm. kick drum hit. So, and that's a common practice, and, and that's probably what he's talking about. But I've never actually side chained my overheads before. But I'm, I'm gonna try now. <laughs> From here on Great out, idea. because of you, Boblin Duck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta say hi, hi KS, hi uh, Taji, Bryson. What's going on? Saying what's up to everyone. Anyone else who's out there not typing in the chat? Anyways, I think you did. You have a follow up to your. Uh... Sorry, I'm posting on Instagram. Wow, <laughs> millennials. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm posting about this. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you millennial? Or no? no. Whoa, an Xer in our presence. Yeah, I mean, well, what, what, give me give me the rate. Like, what's what's the I've heard 80, 82 is the earliest. I thought it was eighty one. Eighty one because Leah's. Okay. I shouldn't say her age. She's a woman. Leah is Leah is a solid 23. twenty-three years old. Yeah, twenty-three. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I just missed. I, I think I just missed the mark. But gotcha. That's all right. You're you know, so close, I'm, bro. I'm right. I'm good right where I am now. You know. Mm. Do you appreciate my Goonies poster? What I age do. range are you in? Uh, that no, age no. range. So, so that that isn't that resonates with me tremendously. Does yeah. it? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I love that movie, by the way. Same. That's a yeah. constant. A constant. Topic yeah. on this show because I, a, I put the poster you behind put the poster us up. <laughs> and also just for this. So I, I assume used you, to be you watched it. You watched that movie when you were young. Uh, I watched that movie almost yearly for sure, probably three or four times a year. Okay, that's a lot. I love it. That's a lot. Ryan also likes the By movie. By the way, hi Tajie. Um, <laughs> uh, so I didn't watch it until I was like eighteen. Okay. And and watching it, I heard all this just yeah. oh, it just makes just delightful. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was not good. Really? I thought it was not good at all. I, no, I, I, that's a little far. It was fine. <laughs> I'd give it a sixty-five percent in Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you experienced it in the wrong part of your life. Right. Right. Yeah. But 
So, Dude. but could you say objectively, with take if you take out the nostalgia, uh-huh. is it really as good as everyone says it is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's made for no a certain taking age. Out of it's the made for a certain age range. <laughs> it's not made for eighteen year olds. <clears throat> I just didn't like it. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, because you, because you, I know. you hit it wrong. I know. I watched you knew it too much. I watched it for the first much. time. You knew, on, you know, yeah. seriously, when I first watched that movie, I didn't know enough to not just. I mean, you it knew was like just, four things. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's perfect. I, I consume that that content at the perfect time. Yeah, you're yeah. all, pirates don't live in caves. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they live on, live on the ocean. Everybody knows that. This piano booby trap seems implausible. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, I think I saw it for the first time when I was like maybe 11 or 12 mm. at my grandma's ranch on VHS. Mm. And it was a perfect place because you're like... I think you're at that age. You start getting in your teen years, and you almost become nostalgic for your childhood just a little bit, where you're like, I love adventures. I, I remember this. This is great. But you're not old yet. You can still relate to the yeah. characters. What years? I don't know. Your teen I don't years? know. Like, as you're coming into your teen years, okay. there becomes, somewhere in your teen years, there can become a bit of a nostalgia for, for childhood, I think. Uh, I cut out and murdered everything in my life before it when I hit, like, 16. I, I found that, you know... As I've gotten older, obviously, you just get much more nostalgic about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I do have some nostalgia, for the record. You just can't experience things in life mm-hmm. like you used to be able to experience that. Sure. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, I love oh the show gosh. Roswell. Roswell Dude, was a great right. show. I think about this. Your voice and vibe, kind of Corey Feldman-ish. Okay. Like, I, you could I, I be mouth. Gonna, I thought you were going to say Chunk. What's his name? Uh, what, uh, uh, Mikey? <laughs> no, no, no. The, 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 the sloth. Or oh hell no! <laughs> the, the hey you guys. Hey you guys! No 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 no. No, you've got kind of like a your voice vocally, like just the tone of your voice sounds mm-hmm. like you could be yeah. mouth all grown up, so, like here on our podcast. So mouth, what was it like uh, right. <laughs> convincing Rosalita that the home was a drug house? <laughs> Getting too deep into Goonies for you? I see that face. That's the two people face. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but so let's off. get to the important stuff. Stand by me. Now, the thing about Stand by Me. <laughs> Dear God, don't even get me started on Stand by Me. Yeah, yeah. It's just not good. It's perfect. It and, is good. Okay, so we actually have a listener question. On the Matt Kearney track, there's a lot of vocal loop, uh, t- loop type parts with processing. How much of that was committed to track before you mixed it? And how much created liberty do you take with that sort of layering? Well, that kind of vibe, I think like vocal chops and, and uh, you know, those sort of things is, you know, that's definitely something that comes in like that. That's it's definitely a part of production. It's a bit of a hook, usually hook. Or, you know, it's usually something that um, is spoken into by the producer and you're just kind of blending it, you know? Okay. Yeah. But um, that's a good question, though. Yeah, we've got a lot of actually really solid questions today. Cool. Sometimes we don't. That's nice. <laughs> nice. So it sounds like we were saying there, you don't have a lot of creative liberty with that. Well, I mean, it just depends. I mean, but with vocal loops, I think he's talking about vocal chops. Mm-hmm. And with vocal chops, I mean, most of the time it's a hook and it's been established as part of the writing or, okay. you know, something that happens way before me. And I'm just kind of making it sit good in the track, you know. Okay. So, yeah. Let's talk Ben Rector. Okay. What did you do on his new album? Uh, I have to see it in front of Wait, have of me. you worked on any of his other albums or just a new one? I've worked on a few, yep. I uh, okay. worked on the last one. Pull and up then... Spotify, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make it easier. You mix a lot of tracks. By the way, this is a weird side question. Any estimate on how many tracks you mix a year? 
I have no idea. I will say when bajillions. Well, because yeah. I'm, I'm much further disconnected from this world than mine. Yeah, is, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, as you can tell by how I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I googled you, yeah, and I came up with all your credits, I was like reading down and down, scrolling down and down, and I was like, "This is just 2018." <laughs> it seems like a lot. Uh, well, that that's just a good testament to. Um, having a great team of guys that helped me just stay hundred percent creative. Um, uh, I'm working on this, but I am a bit of a workaholic. I'm trying to change that. Um, and, uh, but it's because I truly do love it. And, you know, I, I if, if I wasn't doing it, I'd be doing it anyway. And mm. if the opportunity is there, it's hard not to do it. And so, uh, I just, I love doing it. And, um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to work less these days. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Feel free to Google it, people. What was it? Uh, yeah. Allcredits.com dot com or whatever it is. Whatever well, that first link is. All music. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Ben Rector. Yeah. Did you do this? Anything on this one? Uh, well, brand yeah, new? brand new. Um, oh, yeah, I did the brand, the song, brand new, and brand uh, new. Like the that world's gonna end. Perfect. Crazy. A bunch of them on that one, and that was uh, that's where I met Ben, um, and I met him. Uh, through a, a bunch of really cool dudes, uh, Ed Cash was on that record, and Casey Cooley was on that record. Um, two of my dear, dear pals, and and uh, that's how I kind of met Ben. And then that kind of segue into Magic, the, the, the record that just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a bunch on that one as well, and that one was a really special record for me because I got to work with some of my uh, musical heroes. Uh, you know, uh, the song "I Will Always Be Yours," uh, Tony Hoffer. Worked on that. I'm a big fan of that guy, and um, he he produced that, and uh, it was really fun to to be a part of you know that. And you know, John Fields is another musical hero of mine, and he was uh, at Strawberries yes, on Instagram. Yeah, he's the best. Um, he did that duo track, and um, it, it's just it's it's really it was that that was a really special record to be a part of. And Ben Ben is such an incredible artist, and. It's it's kind of like he's the kind of guy where you just have to figure out how to get out get out of the way and just somehow preserve what you got, you know. Um, he's you know you just gotta you gotta kind of stay out of the way with Ben and he he takes care of the rest. It's he's an amazing amazing artist, an amazing songwriter. So, yeah, mm-hmm. nice. So which wait which tracks did you do on here? Uh, Extraordinary Magic, I will always be yours. Duo. I think Ben is a brilliant songwriter that and an, and an all like all around amazing dude, and probably it just seems like maybe Christian music people found him first. You I, mean, I, I wouldn't. That was how it's used like, to me. Like a Christian, a Christian like content, Christian like, fan base. I think to Ben maybe that's has how. an amazing Real. way to write amazing songs that connect with people that have. Uh, they want to be, they they want to be inspired in, with music that makes them think and makes them feel like good about that. Yeah, it, Ben's just an amazing way of be, you know, just crafting a song and and bringing somebody into a story, and he always does it in a tasteful, clean you know. And I think that's mm-hmm. just probably why he resonates with like a, a wide variety of audiences, sure. you know. Yeah. Um, but he's 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 one of my favorite people I've ever gotten to work with for sure. He's amazing. So but that was a dope track. You did work with me, so I'm a little offended by what you just said, but I'll overlook it. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what I else? said one of. One of. Yeah. One of good. yeah, you've got it, dude. You work with too many people. You, just, you, can't, you right. can't start. Everyone ranking. else gets offended. Everyone, yeah, everybody but Ben Rector right now watching but is he's offended. And he, and he watches. We ben know. Rector yeah, watches watch every it. week. He's at home just pissed right now. Well, <laughs> you know the amazing thing about Ben is 
Ben's an amazing golfer too, and I love golf. So that's so weird. We just got a golf question on oh, the did. chat. Yeah, really? yeah. Which is, it said non-music oh, question. If you had I to play golf with only one club, wait, who's asking this? Do I know this person? Bobble and Duck, same guys before. I wonder why. Okay. Maybe you know him. Bobble and Duck? Are you Ben Rector? Bobble and Duck reveal <laughs> who you are. Who are you? Do we know you? Um, so he said, if you had to play golf with just one club, what would it be? And there's only one right answer, if we're being real. Um, six iron. Really? I would have said a seven. Yeah. Well, well. well, you know. You live and you learn. Are you a big golfer? Uh, very big golfer. Are you a good golfer? Uh, no. No. Well, on some days, maybe yeah. three times a year, but okay. I would say that I'm not a good golfer. So, I, but, I, but I aspire to be, and I'm very passionate okay. about So we're it. talking a standard course. What are you shooting? Uh, depends on the day, but I would say between an 85 and a 95. That, that's better than like 95% of people. Yeah. 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 Okay. I used to play a lot of golf. I don't play anymore. You so get, you should take a what down. you didn't know about Jury is he basically grew up at a teen center. Yeah, it was a teen center. It was the first Pro tea. Kids. You know the first okay. tea? Yeah. It was the first tea chapter of San Diego called Pro Kids. Okay. Where and I, I started there in ninety nine as a in junior high. And eighth grade, seventh grade, I don't know. They taught you to play golf for free if you're an inner city kid. And then I got my first job there, worked for five years. I played golf like six times a week for like ten years. Oh my gosh. And I thought I was terrible. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the worst. I was like, how can I not get better at golf? But I had, a, I, mean, I averaged like 80. Yeah. Yeah. You were very good. But golfer. I was playing with pros. Yeah. Then, then, I stopped, then after I had to start paying for golf myself, I stopped playing. You can get pricey. And then, I, then it was like once a year, once every two years. Last time I played, I, I didn't even break 100. Well, That's how bad it's gotten. I love golf. Everything about golf. I love watching golf. Mm. love playing it. Love, you know, all yeah. Of it. Did we get... We, yeah, we actually do. We have Scotty Allen Day. If you had a choice of car made between the years... These are not at all. <laughs> if you had a choice of cars made between the years 1956 and 1980, what car would that be? That is very specific. Oh, wow. And, and I have an uh, answer for that. And Keep... thanks for the bits, you know. But, um... Huh. Weird. I don't know are if you he, like, car knows guy? you and you're, like, knows you have a car in mind, or it's just... I would have to go El Camino. Oh, classic. Refilming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What year? Uh, well, any any of those years between 1950s. Just any El Camino. Yeah, yeah. That's what my dad drove when I was a kid. I rem- I remember that, and that was really fun. I love the El Camino. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a sick car. Yeah. Do you have any it's like kind of a truck? Huh? It's kind of a truck, kind of a car. Kind of not, you know. <laughs> yeah. It can be whatever you need it to be in that particular. Yeah, it's yeah. a beach car, is what it is. Yeah, right? it's a yeah. Car it's a surfing car. truck. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now, did you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Connecticut. Okay. Oh, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, now that's going to be very different than Nashville. Yeah, yeah, it is in 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 a lot of really great ways and a lot of you know things I miss. But all in all, this is home now for sure. And like we love this town, and it's it's been it's been really good to learn how to become you know live live in the South. You know, it's it's a different sort of thing. You mm. got to kind of mm. you know take a you know take it a little slower. You know, which is nice for me at least. A little you know? slower. Yeah, we came from San Diego, so this feels fast for me. I don't know. Really, San Diego, I, it's not fast, fast but it's like. Maybe it's because I just live right near the downtown. I've only lived here. Hmm. There's a lot of traffic. Yeah, everything. And we we live in Hillsborough Village, Mm -hmm. so it's like every single coffee shop, juice place, anything around our house always has nuts lines. Yeah, right. We're in San Diego, which is super chill, and also we live kind of further out, where you know not the busy things happening. So moving here feels way busier to me. (laughs) Ironically, Yeah. yeah. I don't know. 
But the people are different. People are very So did you here. live close to the coast? Yeah. Yeah. Did you surf? No, I didn't surf because Connecticut's kind of weird. The beaches aren't, you know, aren't very nice there. And they have, you know, a lot of the New York stuff, a lot of the New York kind of action coming down, coming down the, the ways. So... Uh, Wait, but, what does that mean? Oh, uh, it's just it's the water's not that clean. It's not uh, it's not like San oh, Diego, really? like you know the the Connecticut coast and and the, you know. But the uh, I've always thought that I would actually really enjoy it, but I've, I've never actually done it. But how about you guys? You guys surf? Surf? No, I I, I, I literally never have. I grew up in San Diego. Yeah. Lived there for thirty years. Never I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Of course, I surf. Yeah, I surf. boogie board several to. times. Yeah, yeah, many times. Yeah, <laughs> starts with chafe. You know, mm. have That's you ever gotten good. nipple chafe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> nipple chafe. Yeah, let's go. No, okay. Um, back to music. Here's a question I had, man. Yeah. So I've had these along my way of like mixing. Mm-hmm. So I've mixed every song I've ever worked on except for two albums okay. and one single. One album was mixed by Ryan Hewitt, one yep. album was mixed by you. And then a single mixed by this guy. I don't think you know him, but Tony Palacio. You might know him. He's Danny's front of house guy now. I've heard his name. Nice guy, I'm he, sure. Yeah, yeah he's super cool. Cool. Super cool guy. But before that, I've mixed all my own things. Along my journey, I've had all these different milestones. Like, oh, wait. It's all about automation. Automation <laughs> is what makes a mix good. Until you've automated, it's not good. Or like, oh, it's about side chaining the bass. Until you sidechain the bass by the kick, like, you just never get to work. Whatever. And and obviously, like, every single rule when it comes to music and mixing and production, like, every rule, if you camp on it, doesn't work because every genre is different and every style is different. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to know, like, what some of your milestones have been along the way when from day one starting to learn to mix till now. Uh, not, not that you have to catalog every single one, but, like, what what milestones have you had where you're like, epiphanies moments where it's like oh this is how you mix like wait it's about non-linear summing wait it's uh, about <laughs> you know what i mean like have you had any moments like that <laughs> honestly for me i think it's and i think a lot I, i'd be surprised if a lot of other guys that you know have mixed over the years won't, wouldn't say the same thing but i think it's more and more it's just the, as the, like the artist you get and the producer mm. you're working for, it's like it's so dependent on the tracks, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's. I feel that in the beginning, when I was working, when I was younger, I would be working on music, and I would I would feel that my mixes weren't getting there. And, and a lot of the reasons why was because of obviously my skill level, but also the content, you know. And so mm. what's funny is is that as in your career, um, hopefully. The content that you're receiving, you know, that you're being hired for, you know, somehow stays in line with like your growth as a as your talent, you know. Yeah. And I've, I've you know, I, I I know that there's been people who have had opportunities that they weren't ready for, and for me, I've just been always thankful that I've never felt uh, like I've been in an opportunity that I wasn't ready for. I was. I've always feel challenged, but does that make sense? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, it, and it all comes down to just working, you know, like with better and better artists as the, as the years go by, and, and just in learning more from better songs and better production and better better tones, and you know, and it's just it just that's those were the milestones for me, just better tracks and better songs, you know. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so when you get a, a new track in, okay, 
do you do like how do you so you were talking earlier about like sensing where the song is supposed to go and this the track informing you about what it wants to be and all those different things mm-hmm. Do you have a process of how you sit down with a new track and like listen to it or do you do some sort of research or do you just like you do you just start going and and adding things and just getting inspired or like what's your process look like? For me I usually probably just listen to the rough first. Um and I listen to 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 see if how good it is and how uh you know what's the word uh married people probably would be to it, you know, because uh. often for me, uh, I always find that the, the, a big part of my job is figuring out what to leave and what to change. Uh, mm. and I think any mixer would, would say that in this modern day, because back in the day when you used to mix records, you know, uh, often someone would be experiencing the song for the very first time, um, after the, like for, once they hear a mix, you know, before that never came alive. Now these songs come in and they could, you know, they're they're ready. They're ready to be out in the public. And you have to sit there and, and listen to it and be like, okay, you know, a lot of people have already spoken in this song. Uh, the artist mm. loves it already or else it wouldn't have even gotten to me in the first place. You know, what needs to change and what needs to just completely stay the same? You know, that's, that's, that's to me is the biggest mm. challenge in mixing for me. Hmm. You know? Um, knowing, and so are you... Pick, you're, are you guessing at that? Are no, you sensing no. that? Yeah. I mean, that, for me, it's just you know, just what you know, what in a song feels amazing, and leave it alone, and what needs to be better, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just interpretation, and probably that's what you get hired or fired for, you know? So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I does that make sense though? Yeah. It, it, I think it's it's often hard to to not do anything, you know as it is to just, you know, dig in and make this most beautiful sounding vocal. I, I think it's also a, an art form to just be like, I'm not touching that because it's perfect, you know? So I often listen to a song and figure out what I want to leave or, or preserve before I dig in, you know? What is the uh, most efficient way to print stems? Oh, uh, God. Yes, please tell us. <laughs> that would be a question for Warren, Warren Yes, <laughs> It's hire Warren. Yeah, it's, uh, it's have an assistant. That is gladly something that I, that I have n- know nothing about and hope never to know anything about. Fair enough. Yeah. I based my stem price. <laughs> but uh, if, you wanna, if, you re- if you truly do want to know how to do anything along that nature, I strongly recommend you, you reach out to Warren David and he can, uh, he can set you straight. What's his Instagram? I don't know, but I'm uh, Warren David. That's his name. Yeah, you'll find him. He, he's kicking around. Warren David. I based my stem price off of your price, and okay. then I just made it cheaper because I'm not as good. That's what I went with. <laughs> I just, I just wish that I made money making stems. That would be nice. But anyway, it's all right, dude. Stems. <laughs> so much stems work. are great. Now, it now, is so much work. Now for. Because, I mean, I'm not doing what y'all do, but I can follow almost everything you guys are mm-hmm. talking about until right now. I have no idea what <laughs> that stem. is. Yeah, it's not even worth going into. Gotcha. Fair <laughs> enough. It's boring. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> you just sound like Ron Burgundy where he's like, it's uh, it's boring, but it's my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are our age. Kevin Jonas was born November 5th, 1987. Yeah. Four days before me. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the other brothers are younger. Dude, they're a super groupie now. 
They're a super Jonas group. Brothers super group. Name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine by me. I'll take that. I'll take that. <clears throat> That's awesome. Do you have a tangent for us yet? Do I have a We've tangent? been like remarkably on topic. Well, I'm letting yeah, you. Yeah, you're just like, letting me. Actually you're just letting events. me actually ask interview questions. I know. Yeah. I usually don't let him do that. It's like a miracle. He's, he's, di- he's dialed in on the questions. Yeah, but... I usually don't let him do that. I usually take us off. We've been talking about like yeah. SpongeBob for 45 minutes. Mm. But uh, I'm not doing that. I'm no. Gonna, I'm think- okay, what do you think about mixing? You, you do when, when you want. Okay. What, what do you think about like referencing mixes, mixing in the car? Not mixing in the car, but like taking your mix to the car, things like that. Like, do you do that anymore? Do you hit a level where you're just like, nah, it's my speakers? What do you do for referencing? For me personally, um, I took a long time learning my speakers, and I tend to not really listen to music outside of that environment. And like, but that's just me, uh, and I'm not sure why. Except I just I'm so used to experiencing music and you know, my environment, that that's how I like to experience it. And that's what I know. And so yeah. I, I don't like to confuse my brain, you know, as yeah. much as possible uh, from uh, in a, in a critical listening situation. You know, mm. if, if, uh, you know, if someone wants to, you know, just, I mean, I love listening to music and anywhere, but you know, if a client's like, Hey, let's go out to my car and like, listen to the mix. I'd be like, Oh, I'll stay here because I don't want to experience you know, like a mix in somebody else's environment. Like I know my environment, huh. and 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 that's and it, if it's wrong, to my opinion, like it's wrong, and if it's not, it's not. And that's kind of just how I like to keep it. You know, for me. What but speakers do you use? I use um, Proax, and I use okay. a, a pair of small Dyn Audios that I, that I use often for like low level listening. Nice. What do you prefer? Uh, uh, well, I, they they're for two different things. So. Pro Axe, I, I, you know, I use, you know, they're right in front of me and they're, they're for balances, they're for tone, they're for, um, you know, punch and clarity and all the width and all those things, you know, it's a stereo image right in front of me. And mm. these Dyn Audios that I have sound really good to me, like on a really low level, always on dim, mm. um, often on mono. Uh, and I just kind of listen to balances and just uh, any rogue S's or uh, any sort of flams or any sort of weird things at low levels. Uh, back and forth in mono and stuff and and uh just kind of making sure that at a low level there's nothing that's distracting yeah do you ever mix uh monitor your mixes in mono and why yes i do because i feel that mono um is a really amazing way to like sniff out bad balancing because Mm -hmm. it's putting everything on top of each other essentially and so if there's something that's kind of like sticking out or, or really abrasive, it just speaks more and it, and it will cloud something else. So that's why I like to listen to mono is like if there's frequencies that are in certain instruments that are clouding other instruments or other you know voices or whatever, I hear it a little bit clearer in mono. And I don't spend much time in there, but I feel like you can hear errors really good in mono. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great time for us to play another song. What oh, song would you like to play? Okay. Let's do. Let's play duo because we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about right. duo. Let's play duo. This is a really fun song from Ben Rector. Well, I read on. his whole. Pro I don't care what section. you think about it. Uh huh. What do you think about it? Yeah. What do you? I think mean, I care about? a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Well, so this track is really special to me. Uh, John Fields produced this track. Um, it's my first time ever working for him. Again, he's a musical hero of mine. Um, so I was really stoked, you know, and I mean. The track, the song, the production, the space, especially, mm. and overall, like the quirkiness of it, 
is mm-hmm. just it's brilliant to me. And quite honestly, I mean, if you were to hear the rough mix versus what you know the end result is, you'll realize why John Fields is a super producer. I mean, because he's brilliant. And again, with Ben, you just got to kind of stay out of the way and figure out how to enhance maybe one or two things and just not ruin it. I mean, truly, when you have a song and an artist and production and all that stuff, it's it, it kind of it's it's like cheating, you know. So, uh, but it's a great song, an amazing production. So, all right. So this is duo by Ben Rector. Used to be afraid of feeling little. I used to never want to play a second fiddle, but that all changed when I met you. When I met you, you make me want to Garfunkel. Like you be Jesse and I'll be the other uncle I don't need the spotlight I just wanna see you shine And I could be Joey, you could be Chandler You tell the jokes and I will straight man you Maybe that was not always a plan But so what? If you wanna I could never have imagined all the ways you make my heart beat. They say love's all you need. Well, please, please let it be. Yeah. You can be Beyonce, I can be Daisy. Talent like Kanye, just not as crazy. If it were possible, I'd have your baby. Ryan doesn't get to say it this time. Um, <laughs> so, 
I've got an unrelated question. Yeah, yeah. Mainly out of my own personal self-interest. Yeah. Which is, you're from Connecticut. Uh-huh. Okay, not, uh, I would ask where in Connecticut, but I only know one single city in Connecticut. Okay. Which is Hartford. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you anywhere around there? Uh, it doesn't really matter. Connecticut's Har- tiny, Har- right? Yeah, Hartford's so small. Super, okay. yeah, yeah, everything's close. Because <laughs> I've been thinking about... Um, so, me and my wife moved here less one than a year and a half ago. Okay. Okay. We're, we're fairly new to the Nashville area. Yeah. Uh, and we grew up in San Diego, both of us, 30 okay. years. We wanted to do something different. Nashville, very different. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's some things about Nashville I don't like. Okay. Uh, one, the summers. Well, the weather are, in general, if you're coming from San Diego. Oh, God. Right. Yeah. All right. But here's the thing. I really enjoy the winters because we don't have a cold. We don't have snow. But, so, is it, but it's not really winter. Well, to me, it's more winter than I've ever experienced my whole life. Like overcast and rainy? Oh, no. That's terrible. I mean snow. A little bit of snow. Like once a year? Bro, every, it didn't even snow it, this year. It did a little tiny bit. Got, we got like I was gone, that, I was gone that day. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if we're having like talk about weather and you're from San Diego, like it should stop there. We should just be like, all right, well. You but know, here's the San- thing. Coming here, I thought, I'm going to get a little snow. I'm going to get a little of this. I'm going to get a little bit of the thing that everybody talks about. And for I the see fir- in movies. And for the first year you did, we yeah, got we polar moved, vortex. The day we moved here, it was six degrees and, and it snowed like four times. <laughs> it was great. Last year was amazing. It was just enough snow that it was still magical as as as, as, as magical can be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the that was, thing. I've never heard anybody try to not say that for so hard. <laughs> Yeah, I get you. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but this year was a huge disappointment, and I've been, and the yeah. summers are humid and disgusting and make me want to die. And the bugs, dear God, the bugs. I got I saw bites. a mosquito yesterday. and I'm, I saw a mosquito walking up to the house today. So it starts. Anyways, I was like, where would be better? Where would give me the different weather that I desire? But not be too crazy. And everywhere I Googled came up with Hartford, Connecticut. There's a little more snow, but not too crazy. Okay, so Connecticut is very good for seasons. They okay. Have very, they have four solidified, 100%, very different seasons. Yeah, I mean, fall is like two months. Spring, like winter is, you know... As, we didn't get a fall at all last year. Right. You it know, was spring, hugely disappointing. You know, between March and May, I mean, mm-hmm. it's spring, you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes summer. It, it's, that, but is it that too are, brutal? Is like the winter's too bad? No. Is the summer humid? No, because just when you're just enough, mm-hmm. like just when you're sick of it, you know, it starts to get warmer. Or just when you're sick of, you know, the warm, you know, want some cold, it gets cold. And so but, it's just perfect, is what you're saying. Well, it's not San Diego. Well, that's a whole different kind of perfect. Right. We're talking seventy-two all year round. Right. You go to the beach in the winter; it's beautiful. Right. That's a whole different kind of. That's a whole different. We can't even compare. Let's put it this way: like Nashville uh, pales in both. You know, the compared. So Nashville's a hot pile of garbage when it comes to weather. I would, I would say that specifically <laughs> weather, not in general. No, we I like mean, Nashville. We're here for a reason. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm not a fan of the weather here. No, no. Okay, it's bad. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying we're leaving Nashville. I'm just saying if we do, that's on the Hartford, list. Connecticut. Hartford, the next, that's where Yale is. Yeah, right? I'd pass on Hartford too. No, and it's New Haven's Yale. But, oh, New Haven. Maybe yeah. that's what I was thinking of. Hartford, Hartford isn't that hopping. Is Hartford just a hot pile of garbage? No, it's just you can say if it is, it's all right. I mean, it's the capital city. Yeah. Okay. I think New Haven is what I was thinking. I remember when I Googled it was where Yale was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so that would be better. Yeah. So yeah. I should go to New Haven. New Yale. Yeah. Hmm? Yale. Yeah. yeah Did you go to Yale? Though, I don't. Uh, yeah, just a couple of years. And just a little bit of Yale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit of Yale. Just got a doctorate. No big deal. MBD. 
Oh, this is the best question. This is probably the crux of my pain. Like, you know, they talk about with products, like your pain point, the pain points. Yeah. If you created an online course, I would buy the course. (laughs) If it solved this pain point, clients, how do you get them to accept a mix you worked on? What do you do? (laughs) How do you say the right things? I know this is coming from a deep place because you talk to me about all the stuff you do. Yeah, I mean... For me, I try not to hold anything too tightly, obviously. I mean, it's all an expression of art, right? And everyone, yeah. if you if you and I were to paint a picture and we were told to paint the exact same thing, like in detail, like with a paragraph explaining like the the tonality and the and the sky and the sunset and, and all these different things and you know, with the most clear description of you and I obtaining that. I mean, we both sat next to each other and painted I mean we'd have a completely different picture, even though we have the same you know, goal. And so yeah. what I realize is that, you know, even though if I work on a song and even if I feel like it's just perfect, I mean, it's just my interpretation of the vision. And if it doesn't line up with the person who has to own it for the rest of their life, then I better, you know, get on board or get out. Cause it's, you know, it's not my record and, and, huh. uh, and you can have your opinions and you can also really fight for things you really believe in. But at the end of the day, you need to serve the people that are paying you and make sure that they're happy and make sure that they don't, you know, and you protect them from themselves as well. But at the end of the day, you can't be precious about anything, you know? Yeah. Now, is there anything that you do or try to do to make sure that people will find your mixes in a good place? And, and me, me notwithstanding, it's sort of slightly awkward only because we work together. But forgetting that, do you do any, do you have any, any helpful tips on how to help people accept new things? Um, I think you... Uh, present them in a very sort of open-handed way you know Mm. Uh, if you really truly believe in something you present it in a way that's not at all emotional but very pragmatic and this is why you love something and you know if they don't agree then you let it go you know and you just Mm. honor the people that are paying you but uh, I think that when you I found that most artists when you truly speak up about something um, that is in a way kind of going against what people are saying like often they listen and they also kind of respect it even if they don't agree they respect it because it shows you care you know um so it's again like balance is a key but you know you got to ride the balance of not you know being precious about everything because no one wants to work with anybody that's like precious about their ideas ever you know Mm -hmm. especially if you don't like their ideas uh and what uh, do you mean by precious uh, yeah that's a that's a really like statement we need to pull apart yeah, well, I think well, I get it, but yeah, well, tell us more. I, what I'm saying is, is if if you're working on on a, on a track for a client or whoever's speaking into getting it over the finish line, and everything you say or everything they say or or you know suggest that we change, you're like, oh, okay, but you know, it, it's like, mm-hmm. you just, <laughs> I find that some of the best moments in music that I've ever experienced are coming from broad and drastic and radical ideas that i thought sucked at first and so uh mm, you know mm-hmm. I, you know it's just to always be open-minded and to always be willing to, to go down rabbit holes you can always save and you know and never make people's ideas stupid and until they're executed and all those different things and then make mm. them stupid no no i mean but but at the end <laughs> of the day it's like i find that i think that it the, the when you're when you're you know back to the painting thing you know our paintings all look different. And so 
you're trying to get everyone's painting to like agree or look, you know, like everyone agree on one painting. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so the, uh, the, the more you feel empowered along the way, you know, speaking into it, the better. And I think it just, it creates a better environment for people to want to create, you know? Yeah. Okay. Did you start with that mentality or did you get there by like pain and failure and misery? <laughs> <laughs> that's me. That's me is like over time becoming like Shipping okay. Away. You've got to like let you got to let go. You got to no, let go. No, I think that How'd you uh, get there? I I I grew uh, I grew up watching my father um uh and mm. he's a builder and and a really really uh, like housing builder. Yeah, yeah construction. Okay. And yeah. the and one of the ma- the many things I learned from him growing up was um, he always made his clients like feel special and they always felt heard. Mm. And even if they were upset they you know, to me, um, mixing is a privilege and it's a, um, it's something that, you know, I really like truly am grateful for, but more importantly, I'm, I'm really thankful for the relationships of the people I get to work with. Uh, and you know, making clients feel heard and making you know, clients feel, uh, you know, all their ideas, you know, you know, being important are, are, are things that help get to the end of the finish line with everyone agreeing, you know? So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I did a good job of tur- articulating that, but it's, no, that was no, great. it makes sense. Yeah. I hear okay. you. I yeah. got you. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. So, I mean, don't, I mean, I mean, you don't gotta go all the way to amazing. There's levels. That's yeah, I think I, I think it was pretty solid. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. I yeah. got you. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'm on him. I'm still on amazing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was I was his client one time. Yeah. And and he made me feel special. Wow. Yeah. It was great. Like a pretty princess. And and, and, and and feeling special probably isn't the best way to put it. But what I'm saying is is that I want anyone to call me, you know, knowing that like I'm not going to flip out of them if they have an issue. But you're open to hearing. No, I'll like say this. I'll say, say, you, I'll say this to your credit. When when I worked with you, when I talked to you on the phone, you you had the right the level of customer service where I felt like I was like your only client. I was the most important client you had, but you were clearly working on a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and like like I saw like you were working with some major people at the yeah, same we've time. We've seen the list. There's a lot but of when stuff. I was talk when I was talking to you, it felt like you were honed in on my stuff. Uh, that was well, really cool. Well, thank you. That's I appreciate it. It's that. a compliment to me, and and it's it's something I've learned from my father to like when when someone's in front of you and someone's talking to you, like show interest and care, you know, uh, especially when they're paying you to do something that you love, you know. So, <laughs> not a lot of people get the chance to get right, paid you know? to do something they love. <laughs> I, you know, so not I, a, not a lot of people take that take that advice. No that your one dad ever gave pays you. me to drink. It's ridiculous. <laughs> 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 not a lot of people do what you what you're saying your dad taught you to do and um and it shows oh I appreciate and that. i think it sticks out and i think that's probably a component of why you've gotten to work on things you've gotten to work on it's because you've taken that advice and making people feel like they're important to you is obviously one of the most important things well, you can I do mean, no but but just to they are important to me like yeah you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I i'd like to draw the line between that i think that if you're you're not bullshitting over here you're not being like <laughs> i mean you're so always, important there, to me there is always i mean everyone me. has to you know be professional yeah and sometimes you're not wanting to hear you know why they're not emotionally connecting with the chorus but 
like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. But yeah, at the same no, time, it's real. But at the same time, the fact that you don't want to hear that is your problem, not theirs, because they're paying you and they're trying to help you get to where they're wanting you to go. So mm-hmm. if they feel like, if they ever feel that they're, you know, what they're sharing with me is not important, then I'm doing a horrible job. And, and so, and that's something that I just is really important to me because, you know, it's, it's, it's how you, I'd want to be treated if I was, I mean, think about this. I often, you know, I work on these records, especially in an independent situation and, you know, it's a lot of money. And I, and I think to myself, like, would I spend this? Like, if I like was an artist and, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and I made music and, you know, and, and I wanted to make songs like mm-hmm. this is such an investment, you know? Yeah. It's such a, like, I mean, and so many of the amazing records that I've loved being a part of are like waiting tables and like, you know, inheritance or like, and yeah, you might have, you know, other stuff going on that feels more important, but this is like a timestamp on someone's life. So, you know, if they want to tell you why they're not connecting with the chorus, you know, you better listen or else don't do this job as far as I'm concerned. Last night, like, do I want to invest in a, I forget what the place is called, but they sell hot dogs. They're like $9 Seattle dogs. I'm like, don't want to invest in a Seattle dog or just like grab some McDonald's. And I went with McDonald's. But you wow. think about what an artist pays for all this stuff, all the different levels of it. Yeah. Yeah. To make records, people spend a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, and you, you, you can never, I mean, and they should be felt, they should always felt heard, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, yeah, and I think you do a great job. I mean, they're spending First as much money account. as a, as you a do nice great car. Huh? I mean, they're spending as much money as right. a car or, or multiple cars. Yeah, a car. You know, you think how much time do you put in? A car or a nice car is, a, is the uh, range of what a record or is. Or a real nice car. Or a real nice car. <laughs> yeah. Or like even a Tesla. Yeah, you, you can get a Tesla pretty cheap. Some nowadays. records can go two Teslas. There you go. Yeah, right. I just read online last night that they're uh, delaying the the thirty thousand dollar cheaper Tesla. Oh, that makes it's sense. Been delayed over. The Roadster's coming. Have you seen the Roadster though? Mm. No. <sighs> I, I went on the website and priced it out. You know, I might buy that. Uh, about two hundred fifty grand. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> should I pre-order now? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna mortgage. I don't know your wife and <laughs> you and Tesla Rose. Wife, your sister. We do not support my mortgaging sister, people yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> Just for the record. Eh, I'd mortgage my sister. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Dude, a sister. You ever had a sister that would you mortgage your sister? All three. <laughs> For a Tesla I mean, they're Roadster? Fine. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. Somebody great will buy them. You know they're going to be good. They'll find a good home. Yeah, they're feisty. They got a good home for them. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? We were talking about Tesla Roadsters. Sure. Yeah. yeah. How long have you been in Nashville for? Uh, nine years. Nine years. Yeah. A long time. Dude. This is a 10-year town. This is a 10-year so town. you're about to become really successful from what I understand. <laughs> Well, I This is going to pan out for you soon. There's there's not another place like this on the planet and and for um real. it has nothing to do with the buildings, it has nothing to do with the streets, it has to do with the people and it has to do with the um the spirit behind this place and it's like I think it's just enhancing um I I can't even believe what this place has to offer from the musical standpoint. It's it's like no other place on earth, you know. And from a fried chicken standpoint, let's be yeah, real. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Jesus, the fried yeah. chicken here is just 
<laughs> yeah, the, the fried chicken. Now, maybe I grew up on the West Coast, so I just did, never had fried chicken in my life, apparently. <laughs> but I've had Hattie. Now, I like Hattie B's. Okay. Are you a Hattie B's fan? Well, uh, I'm not a, really a hot chicken guy. Oh, don't. You no. like the spicy food in general? Are you, are yeah. you out? Yeah, not not out, but you know, uh, oh, man. I kind of like the view from afar. Sure, I've had Hattie B's three times in the last seven days. I'm just throwing yeah. that out there. It's so good. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, so so they say. I just you know a little little weak in, in the old okay. stomach, I guess. Maybe in the, the hot, hot side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. they have a mild option. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I'll try it out after this. Sure. Right immediately after. Yeah, this. Man, on the way. That's here. what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> so this year for the Grammys, if I'm not wrong. Four albums that you worked on were up for Grammys. Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. That's just from memory, folks. Damn. Steel Trap. Uh, well, uh, I remember uh, we, we uh, ran into each other at the uh, Dickens Christmas, Christmas in Franklin. Yeah. Yes. Wait, what? Which you were at, too. Yeah. Did I meet you then? No, you didn't meet him. Yeah, I don't think you I was also but there. You were you. feet away from me <laughs> when, I, when I ran into him and his wife. Yeah. Yeah, you were right there. I was Which, there. In fact, I was there, and I was like, it's weird that Ryan inter- isn't introducing me to these people, so I went and walked over and hung out with my wife. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I probably told you about Sean after that. And then what's really funny is for Christmas, we went out. We did all the Christmas things. And you so we it. did the Franklin. I made it happen. He, he, you made the poll I made plan. A I'm not a planner. And so we did the, Dixon, uh, the Dickens. Dickens Family Christmas, and that's where I met up with you. And then like a week later, we did the... Um, what was the light show we did? Do you remember? Uh, we did two different light shows. We did the, the one I went to with that the mansion. Oh yeah, the 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 thing. You know. Oh, uh, uh, Cheekwood. That's the one. Wow, yeah. you got that. Well, we got a connection. Did you go? Uh, yeah, I love Cheekwood. Yeah. That's funny. We went to the Cheekwood thing. Yeah, yeah. We didn't run into you there, but I ran, we ran into Dan Shike. Okay. Who's, is he next week? Two weeks? Like Several no, weeks. No, he's coming a up number soon. of weeks. Yeah. yeah. But we ran into he Dan. Cool. Which is really funny. So yeah, yeah. and then we, I think then we also did the driving. If you're watching, one. if you want to go be on this podcast, make sure you go to one of our Christmas events. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. how you will get. Over yeah, here. That, that was, that's funny. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny, ironic, mm-hmm. but that's Nashville for you. Just yeah, like no, I mean, and that's I mean, and that's actually something that's really interesting. Uh, I often, when when I was in Connecticut and kind of aspiring to. Uh, mix and and I, I tried really hard to get connected in this town like from a long distance uh yeah and in my head i was like man i think i could try to make this work and and it is just so true about this town like even now like you just just being here changes everything you know mm. um just from just various interactions especially in the in the i don't know the town kind of takes you a little more seriously or something Hmm. When you're here, uh, you know, when you make that commitment and you and you kind of show up, you know, and so it, it, it's funny. It is it is really good for us creatives to get out of the house and just remind yeah. people, you know, that you're here or, you know, you see some other guy that you haven't worked with in years. Like I, I had dinner with a guy that I hadn't worked with in years. And then, you know, a week later, you know, we work together. It's just, you know, yeah. it's out of sight, out of mind. Just, you know, all yeah. those different things. You know, but it's good to show up to Christmas festivals, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah <man. laughs> That's the key to the music Christmas. industry. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Christmas, Christmas festivals. Yeah. I got a question for you. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No so, one's ever done this before. The, the hot seat. No, no, no. no. So, so yeah. as a podcast moderator, mm-hmm. uh, what are some of the things, like, what are some of the things, like, topics that you love to, you know, kind of cover that you haven't covered yet as a podcast guy? Ooh. Oh, man. Uh, 
I think now this is this is kind of actually going to a conversation you and I had earlier, but like stories. If you've ever had any like interesting stories mm. in the industry or, or outside of the industry, working, just interesting life stories. Interesting stories. Well, I can tell you a story of belief. Like uh, you know, for me, the 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 most integral part of my operation is my wife, and uh, mm. the when we. <laughs> When I Who first, I met at the Christmas party. Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah. Her name's Carrie, and she's amazing. Uh, but the story is, is, is when I first wanted to move here, um, yeah. we lived in Connecticut, and I had a really dear friend of mine, uh, Brent Milligan, who I had a privilege of working long distance with, and he was just so encouraging of me moving here, and and you know, a big cheerleader of mine, like to make the move, and that's always a hard thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember. Uh, going to my wife and saying that I wanted to move to Nashville and uh, that I told her I didn't have any work and then I told her that I I didn't really know any, like, you know, I knew a few people, but I didn't really have anything. Um, And I remember her looking at me in the eye and just saying, yeah, let's go, you know, with just zero fear and just complete belief. And um, at the time, like, I almost think that when I like look back at it now I kind of wanted to just be like this is a horrible idea and you know because <laughs> I needed someone to kind of like um put me in check and, and be like this is this is ridiculous but she you know is the type of person that didn't quite care about you know whatever on paper it looked like you know her decision was and she was like really encouraging to me in that and um I've always you know when I talk to creatives and I talk to people, um, you know, I think a lot of times we all tend to get isolated. Um, yeah. and, um, and, and, and not at all to get heavy or anyway, but, but the, the really interesting thing for me is that for me, the, the, my relationship with my wife over the years has, has caused me to understand that what this is and what we're talking about and mixing all these things, it, it's just... It's just something that I do. And and if it wasn't for her and, like, you know, her role in my life, it would be something that I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so, I, you know, the story, I mean, the story of, you know, the coming here and everything is just uh, what I've learned is you really need to have people in your life that can not care about any of this and that can just truly love on you and experience life with you separate from this. And I, and I think a lot of people don't have that, you know, um, Mm. and something that without her, uh, I don't think that this whole life would be doable, you know, like the music, not life in general, but like the music career to have her kind of be, you know, encouraging me and, and being by my side and, and reminding me that, like, I'm not crazy or, you know, reminding me that I am crazy or, you know, <laughs> uh, a lot of my success, like, in a lot of my story is is thanks to her. So. Wow. Yeah. To Carrie. To Carrie. Oh, are we? We're toasting. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> what is, is, is your wife, like, musical? I mean, musical is such a broad term, right? But, like, is she, like, a more music-based person who is coming alongside you in the music sense or is she like not so musical and like keeping you grounded because she's not into that like uh no she that i would say that she she loves music but loves it in all different completely different than i do Mm -hmm. uh she loves melody 
she resonates with mm-hmm. melody. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if she hears a song where the melody connects with her, like, she'll she'll love it. And if it, you know, you know, it's funny. Some people resonate with B. I've always noticed that when she hears a song, she'll, she'll resonate with melody. But she, she, uh, she doesn't know how tracks happen. Like, she doesn't know really much about what mm-hmm. I do except what I do. But, like, and I don't think she cares uh, in a really healthy way, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh but she she loves music just enough to know that like like I love asking her if she if she likes a song because usually if she likes a song it's like it's a good song, you know. She yeah. Wow, it's like I'm Ryan's wife. You do all those same what? things with me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're like you don't you don't know that much about music. You did marry you a- like this song? You did marry a person who looks like me and is biologically probably pretty similar in She's their much, DNA. Much prettier than you. Yeah, pretty well, similar in their DNA. You guys gonna hash that one out after. later? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my God, we just realized we're married. We, we already live together. We, yeah. dude. But let's. Um, this is actually a perfect opportunity to play another song. Okay. Uh, I was thinking because I'm very unfamiliar with okay. most things in okay. the world. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know everything. Jerry's a newborn babe. Welcome to the world, (laughs) (laughs) J-Doc. But uh, Roger is obviously a friend of the show. Roger's a friend of the show. Friend of the show. We have friends of the show. Yeah. Um, Should we play one one of the Roger songs that you did? Sure. Okay. Or not. Or not. Nobody seems excited about it. Maybe we do the show. We're both cautious. Jams out at the end with the sitar. I love that one. Wait, which one? The the first one we did, which was go to the fall of third album, the one where there's like a long ass outro. Yeah, I he's love on that the one. sitar about six of the songs. Yeah, the one that uh, forgot. That was the first yeah. song we did. Yeah, that's that's my favorite. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So this is forgot by Roger Yeager, who y'all should know. I started his music video. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is forgot off the fall of the earth album. Check them out on the on the thanks. Yeah.
Shout out to Timmy Tapperton for the sub. Um, Welcome back from the song. Holy crap, we were talking for about 45 seconds before you unmuted us. No, I unmuted it. The button didn't do the thing. Okay. That's not my fault. 
That's Ryan's fault. So I was out of the room, and you guys were finally able to be free people and talk. Just ourselves, having a good time, really connecting Sean said something about I was awkward. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) But but we were talking about, uh, I kind of mentioned I had a thought. Uh, when you were talking about how just music is music, you, you did a lot of stuff with uh, Christian so artists, why can't which was we great. See? And you're doing a lot of stuff with <laughs> with non-Christian artists, and but to you, it's all just music, right? So, in my personal music history, okay, um, I grew up listening exclusively to Christian music. Really, exclusively. I was like taught. Kind of like like you know listen to secular music, yeah. which is weird because like my dad was too super into like Corn and Metallica, right. you know. Uh, so I grew up listening. So my favorite band growing up was DC Talk. Mm. So when I was like going through your stuff mm-hmm. and I saw you did like Toby Mac, I was like, that kind of hits a little like, whoo, that's some that's some good shit. <laughs> well, the uh, all those guys, Toby, Tate, you mm-hmm. know, Kevin, uh, they've all kind of done some really cool stuff and. Um, I've had an opportunity one way or the other over the years to work with all those guys and they uh, <laughs> they're all just so I mean I just have a lot of respect for them because they uh, aren't afraid to keep on just like making amazing music mm-hmm. you know and putting themselves out there and, and uh, Toby is just uh, a case study mm-hmm. in like work ethic and he was definitely like, kind of a little of an idol of mine for a, a while yeah know. yeah he he uh the most impressive thing about Toby that I've experienced is is that when you when you walk around with that guy, um, the way he treats people and the way that he uh, makes people feel is really special. And, and you know that that guy, I, I've always I have a ton of respect for all those guys. Kevin, you know that he's been making great, incredibly beautiful artistic records, and uh, Tate's been doing really good stuff, you know, and it's, 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 it's mm. cool, but it's, it's, it's nice that the, all those guys are still around and, yeah. um, yeah, that they were like a legendary band, you know? Yeah, so, they were. Yeah. Now, now there came a point in my life when I like essentially cut off all Christian music Okay. and, you know, I was like 15, 16 mm-hmm. and, and I was just like, I don't listen to that anymore. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. Right. Which is not true. Right. But I kind of came to that point. I think to give you an example of like the time, I think the last Toby Mac I listened to was Made to Love, and it took a, a lot of years right. for me to hear any music in in Christian music and be like, it's re- it's it's actually real music, right? <laughs> right. And be like, it's actually real music, uh, and I still to this day have like a little bit of a. Um, like prejudgmental <laughs> of I expect it to be bad if it has that label against it, and that's not always true. A lot of times, and there's stuff that's just good music, right? Um, but I, I, I can't, I can't, like, reasonably believe I'm the only person who thinks this way. Um, I mean, here's the bottom line: uh, songs are written to connect with certain people. You know, uh, Christian music is meant to encourage. Christian mm-hmm. music is meant to uplift or, you know, to make you feel closer to God. You know, uh, sometimes, like, people <laughs> are, in, in, you know, wanting to consume that kind of music, and therefore they don't have to, you know. But, I mean, there's a lot of people who do. And it's like, uh, to me, it's, you know, whatever's in front of you, you know, that, that present day is, uh, you know, you have to figure out how to get that listener to connect with that song. And uh, 
so I don't really view things as genres and I don't really view them as, uh, I just view them as, you know, content in which, you know, how do I mm. make this content connect with the listener? Right. Which seems like an amazingly like healthy way to look at music. Right. But I, I, I kind of think a lot of your kind of average consumer doesn't have that. So how, how do you bridge that gap? Well, I, I think that people like Lauren Daigle have, have, have done it for us, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully uh, in 10 years, I would love, you know, music to just be music. You know, and, and you know, especially CCM because CCM mm. is just stories, but they're stories based on faith. You know, why can't they mm. just be stories? Uh, you know, worship mm. music is worship, and I think it always should be worship music, but, you know, as far as CCM goes, it's just stories, and it happens to be stories about faith, maybe. But regardless, so it might be harder for people to connect with if they're not in that. Well, not necessarily. Or they I can mean, just apply it to whatever they're. they're uh, yeah, wherever I mean, they're. Uh, but I think that if you kind of took down the walls of, of genre, like or or classifying it as a certain genre, I, I think the CCM genre is really weird to begin with because. Mm. Uh, not that it's not a good thing, but I think that so much of the content and so much of the songs that are being written and so much of the music that's being made uh, can truly transcend just this genre. Mm. Uh, and I think we're, we're seeing that happen slowly mm. but surely. And that's really exciting mm -hmm. for me, you know? So does that, you think that kind of falls into the realm and maybe, maybe I'm a little off base here. I don't think it quite fits, but uh, of like Switchfoot. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I produced by Strawberries, yeah. Who we talked about, aka Jonathan Fields. Who yeah. I um, like when I when I was young, when I first heard Switchfoot, when I was younger, maybe not when yeah. I first heard them, but like when they became like some of their songs were used as yeah. worship songs. Bananet, bananet. When I heard that, I'm gonna continue it. <laughs> I, I have kind of, I had kind of like a like a a um, perfect song, by the way. Great song. Yeah, it is a great, great song. song. Yeah. But but it, but at the time when I was younger, I had kind of like a like a oh that's not I can't be into that. Why kind of vibe? Because it was like a, wasn't Christian a poppy Christian thing, and I was moving past that in my mind. I was now it's listening. It's not Christian to, in any way, except well, except of, they're Christians and they wrote right, Christian and lyrics. And that's kind of I mean, been a big thing with them is they never label themselves as Christian, right? But, but they do play. But they're well, Christian. Well, that didn't happen until the Nothing Your Stars album. I don't from know, a I fan heard, perspective, I just remember reading a John Foreman like interview, and he was like, "I'll never like label our band as Christian." That didn't because happen until but that yeah. didn't happen until later. Here's the deal: even though they have music, that, that is, song was perfect. But like, I feel like they're <laughs> kind of the perfect bridge. They are. Switchfoot is. And I, I would say I to John me, Foreman. if I could think of a Christian band that's done a perfect job, it's Switchfoot. Yeah, the, from my perspective, of totally. Hey, you know, the the bottom line is, I, I would love to see that uh, those lines kind of blurred even more. Yeah, because because they're just stories of your experience, you know, and you're writing stories, uh, and and depending, you know, on the type of person, you know, like where you lean and all these different mm -hmm. things, your stories are going to be different. But mm. um, to me, I'd love to see those lines kind of just completely through. wiped away. Well, pretty I mean, much. yeah, I mean, I mean just, that would be ideal, right? right the right. perfect just, world. Songs be songs. Mm -hmm. and, you know, another band that I feel like does a really good job with that, which is more of a recent development, 10 years or so. Um, if you ever listen, do you ever listen to Thrice? Mm -mm. They're real mm. good. No, really? They kind of uh, like prog rock or something? Um, no, I mean, I'm not all into prog rock. Just, well, just like I mentioned Cody doesn't mean twice. I only listen to prog rock. Thrice is originally post-hardcore. 
Okay. But they may have evolved. But yeah, the, there came a point, from my understanding, if, if I apologize if I get the story wrong, <laughs> from my understanding is one of the guys got in this big accident, had, had, a, had a, a thing happen, and he became Christian. All their music since then has been very Christian focused. Mm. Dustin Kensrue? They have... <laughs> They have like very specific songs, like of Bible stories, but it's still post hardcore. Like, when I say, that's actually when I say, I don't know if you're actually singing a specific song that sounds almost exactly like a song I was thinking of. It does sound like a, yeah, Yeah. I was trying to go for Um, for Thrice. And it started with the Artist in the Ambulance album, which if you guys haven't heard the Artist in the Ambulance song, you should listen to that. Yeah, it's an amazing song. song. Oh my God. But I think that was this, that was like their turning point song. That was like the story of it happening. Yeah. But yeah, they, they started as completely not a Christian band. Secular band became slightly Christian. Right. But, I don't know. I, I, I just try to think of the, I've been like recently trying to think of the ways of, of like that bridging the gap idea. Hmm. And I don't know how easy that is for a lot of artists who identify in the CCM genre. Where it's like someone, someone like you who has like the, actual like range of thought to be like well music is music and it's good and it can connect with multiple people i think it might be difficult for people to connect with music that is so specifically like like worship music well yeah no um that's a really hard thing but the bottom line is i I truly believe that songs can be written even faith-based songs can be written uh and written in a way that can appeal to everybody Mm. uh and I think that a lot of authentic songs that come truly from the heart and not written for a purpose, but from your heart mm-hmm. that happen to be Christian in nature have really, you know, songs that have crossed over those lines and connected worldwide, you know, have have happened in a truly authentic way because they're writing a story just like, you know, it's just story mm-hmm. point, of, you know, their point of view of something. So to me, it's it's a bunch of stories and it's it's connecting an audience <laughs> with a story, you know? Yeah. Uh, and hopefully more people's stories will connect with different groups of, you know, it'll just all, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I know it's a reoccurring theme, but I, I, I just, what's well, a good thing. Right. I, I just, I've, I've, I've experienced songs that I wish the world would hear mm. that have nothing that, that would not make anyone feel at all isolated or, uh, you know, uncomfortable. Um, they're just great songs, you know, and, you know, someone who's not necessarily uh, familiar with certain genres might not even listen to that song just based on the genre. And all, mm. I would love for that to go away so that these amazing artists, you know, like the Jason Grays, the, you know, uh, these amazing Brandon Heath, the, you know, the Stephen Curtis Chapman's the I mean, not that they're not known, but like amazing story storytellers, you know, Uh that would, you know, I, I just wish that those lines could get kind of knocked down mm. a little bit, you know? What, what do you think is a way that that could happen? Is, is it simply making songs that are more relatable to a No, a it's happening. Audience? It's or, happening or naturally it's happening with, with streaming, you know? Naturally, okay. It doesn't really, you know, they're just, you know, playlists now. And, you know, I mean, and mm. obviously there's genres, but, you know, everything's kind of cross-pollinating. And it's slow, but it's everything's kind of merging. And I think... You know, with singles coming out, you know, more and more like single releases and less and less albums. And just I think that everything's just going to kind of be like music, you know, Mm. it's looking that Mm. way for me. You know, and I I do see. So so I don't listen to the radio much. Right. uh, Because it's hard. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I have. uh, But when I drive to work, I I, so I I live in Hillsborough. I work at Belmont. Mm hmm. 
Um, so I, my commute's about 0.7 miles. It's mm-hmm. about three minutes. And in that, I don't I don't bother putting on my playlist. I just put on the radio. Right. And I have heard some stuff that I really love. But I was doing that, and, and my wife was in the car, and she heard a song, and she was like, is this a, a Christian song? I, I wish I could remember what the song was. It's super massive right now, and if I heard it, I'd be like, you all know this song. But but I kind of got like I was like no it's just a song people relate to and like you're just a, pulling that into identifying with your struggles as a Christian person. Yes, I, I think that my guess is is that it's probably a song called "You Say," which I did not mix, but it's a beautiful. How does that song. go? Sing, sing a little for us. No, no, I'm not going to sing, sing it. Sing for a little you. bit though. But <laughs> but what's beautiful about that song, and it's my case in point, it is it's written from a place that's not polarizing. It's it's uh, it's it's written from the heart, and uh, it it allows somehow it was crafted in a way that allows it, it doesn't polarize anybody, mm-hmm. which but is yet, hard to do in our especially in our current like the way things are right, right now. Right. It's difficult, but yet the message is very clear. Mm-hmm. You know um, who who's the artist? Uh, Lauren is... Daigle. Oh mm-hmm. yeah yeah. So, I wonder about? if that is the song or not. I, I'd have to hear it to like. I mean, that's it, the one. if you heard it on a mainstream radio station, it'd probably be that one. Probably okay. And you know what she's been able to do? I mean, she's just grossly, grossly talented and amazing artist. And um, she's been able to, you know, with her and her team, have just been able to figure out how to get her feelings across that, you know, in a way that doesn't make certain listeners feel polarized. And you know. But I don't think that that's contrived. I think that's just naturally how they wanted mm-hmm. to make music. So I'm really yeah. happy for them. So maybe is you think it might be part part of it being the authenticity that is able to do that. They're not writing a song to connect or to achieve a goal. They're writing a song that they mean, mm. and it just happens to not uh, leave anybody out. <laughs> you know, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's an art, but uh, it. I think that more and more Christian artists like have have the ability to do that. Uh, you know, anyway, it's it's an exciting time for music in general. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, I'm really excited to see just the accessibility. The um, you know, you can find anything like the you know, like the ability to just celebrate an artist that you know you wouldn't have been able to celebrate like ten years ago is is a really exciting time for music. Mm-hmm. You know, by just a, a mouse click, you know. Okay. So. so let me ask you the opposite thing. Hmm. And this is a topic I, I was talking about someone who was actually going to be on the show um, April 12th. Okay. Is um, So what do you think right now, if anything, hmm. is missing from today's music? What, what's the thing that's missing? Is there anything that you miss from the past or anything that you just want more of to build into modern day music? That you, that you just that you that you personally want, not necessarily on a, on a huge industry scale. Just that, what do you want? Huh? Like, to give you an example, like I personally miss the 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 prevalence and forefrontness of the electric guitar. I'm, I'm, I'm a rock guy, mm-hmm. and I miss that. Mm. But is there anything like that for you? Uh, or not? It's okay. Yeah, if no, 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 no. I'm, yeah. I'm truly thinking about that. But you know. The difference, you know, I used to feel that a lot when I was a kid because, you know, mm. my, you know, like all, probably a lot of people like my age, like my weekend was going to like a record store, you know, and like going through records and like, you know, Sam Goody or, mm-hmm. you know, FYE or, Sam you know, Goody. Yeah, or <laughs> like whatever, you know, Stone Age times now classic. <laughs> but the difference was, is that unless you wanted to get, you know, like ear fungus and like sit with those like, <laughs> crazy, crazy headphones, like uh. you would go through 
record after record and the, and based upon like you know this looks cool or you know like whatever you know now if you if you feel like there's something missing in music you're not looking hard enough mm. because I mean, you're just uh, there's just too much of Which it. Which I'm out probably there. not. To be yeah, fair. you know, to be you fair. know I, I just feel that if you're looking for something, you're going to be able to find yeah. it, and that's what's that's why I'm so excited to be doing it because it's like everything's ev- here. Everything's here, yeah, and everybody has the ability to to express themselves, and and everything that's amazing hmm. is going to rise to the top. Everybody's got a shot now. It's really special, you know. Hey, Noob's Horizon. Yeah. Hello from France. He says, "Well, thanks for hanging out from France." Bonjour. Was it like six or seven in the morning there right now? Seven in the morning? Not done. Well, welcome. We've got a few questions before we end the show. Okay. One. Wait, are we? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are we? No, 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 no. Okay. Not yet. I've got a question before I, I, that I, I, question. Know, I didn't know if I was prepared yet. Yeah, I got a question before that question. Ooh. All right. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Sean Moffat. Yeah. Three what would you tell if you were standing here before a young, very smart, very educated, but green college student? Okay. They just studied audio engineering. They mm. want to be you when they grow up. I work, they with, these, do I work with these students every day. They're generally terrible at life. <laughs> and just at being a person. That's besides the point. He I, works at Belmont. He's jaded. I'm a little, um, little jaded. A young college student wants to do what you do. What advice would you give them? I swear, I swear, if you say chase your dreams. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I, I think learn uh, study songwriting. I think songwriting is the key to a lot of success in the music industry these days. Um, even mixers these days, and and you know, uh, learn what's the difference between a good song and a bad song, or like what you think is a good difference. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and and for me, I think the the biggest tool that I've ever had is just the ability to listen to music. Like mm-hmm. listen, like again, going back to like the the you know the conversation of like Sam Goody on the weekends, like now there's no excuse not to educate yourself on everything that's going on, and there's no excuse mm-hmm. not to be inspired. There's no excuse not to like, like if you're like you know, you, there's anything and everything, uh, and I'm really envious about that because like I mean in my you know really impressionable years like as a teenager I think that if I had the access that you can have now I mean. I mean, I don't know what that would have looked like, but it's it's an exciting mm-hmm. time. So, for for someone green, you know, learn learn the art of the of the song, you know, uh, because that's the most important thing. And also, just consume an insane amount of music mm-hmm. and and figure out what's good and what's not in your mind. You know, that's like the most beautiful thing. Like what's good to me and what's good to you is completely different. But yet yeah. we're cool. But it goes back to the painting thing, you know. Yeah, as long you know, as long as you don't feel like your paint, everyone else's painting needs to look like yours. You know, you're going to be in good shape. You know. Hmm. So, okay. Next question. If you could talk to somebody. Oh, what? That's a weird format for <laughs> no, that no, question. No, no, no. It's a different question than you're okay. thinking. I'm doing a different thing. I know okay. it is a different thing, but if uh, <clears throat> somebody were asking you, Sean, I'm thinking about buying my first outboard piece of equipment. Oh. I've been mixing in the box. I'm going to buy one piece of outboard equipment to start with. What piece of outboard equipment would you recommend? Wait, so they're mixing in the box. They're mixing in the box fully. Okay. UAD, Waves, Associated Pro Tools plugins. (laughs) They're going to buy one piece of gear, physical hardware. 
what would you recommend, like, starting point? Man, honestly, a really good mic to shoot your room. <laughs> to make sure that you're listening. Go lis- on, yeah. Yeah, to make sure that your listening environment is, you know, appropriate. You know, like, because you can achieve amazing things in the computer. And most of the songs that people love these days are achieved 100% in the computer. Uh, to me, like, the the biggest asset you can have and the biggest tool you can have is a solid listening environment, like a correct listening environment. Um, wow. So, you know, a, you know, whatever tools that would help you dial in your listening environment would probably be the best investment. And you can stay in, you know, and master inside the computer and then mess around with some outboard stuff. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay, follow-up question. Yeah. My listening environment's perfect. Okay. <laughs> What's the next piece of outboard gear? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, by the way, mine is not, but right. go on. <laughs> I have um, a Yuri um, 1176. Oh, uh, it was my buddy, spirit. <laughs> yeah, it was a buddy of mine's and he's had it for years and I finally convinced him to sell it to me. It's the it's the did you have it when you worked on when I came to your place? Probably. Yeah, yeah it's on like every I love that thing. Is it kind of like a purpley black? Uh, no, no, it's 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 it's, it's like any other. You know, 1980s baller 1176. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's, I mean, that would probably be, I mean, that thing, you can, like, that sounds good on anything. Like, no matter what you put it on, yeah. um, it sounds good. Uh, you might not need it, but, you know, if you had, if you, I know what you're looking for, it's but my like, <laughs> that would be Bro, it. Bro, I, rent, I rented that for a record um, and loved it so much that that's now like the only I don't have one, but that's the only UAD plug eleven seventy six that I use yeah. every single time. Yeah, it's 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 uh those boxes, especially if you get them in the right years and they're maintained properly, they're they distort the sound in such like a musical way that it's like insane. You know, it's like nope, it, it's it's it can do anything. So what I just noticed about it is like. You look at the the meter, mm-hmm. and it's like you're currently uh, compressing twenty dB. You have twenty dB of gain reduction, <laughs> and I'm like not hearing it. Yeah. I'm not hearing it as being a crappy compression yeah. sound. I'm yeah. hearing it as like it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. And that was what blew my mind. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's true. Well, uh, I, one of the biggest things I'm learning still is to, and it ties into this with like visually seeing like 20 dB of attenuation, is um, not making decisions based upon your what you're seeing, you know? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I think like the most powerful tool any mixer could have is like a, a, a remote to turn off their monitor, you know, um, in this day and age. So you kind of hear, you know, you know, you don't hear red lines, you don't hear, you know, 20 dB of attenuation, you don't hear crunch, you just hear music. And I'm learning to do that. I, I, I'm such a visual guy, period. So, uh, you know, just stepping away and not looking at the screen and just, like, experiencing it like like the like the dudes did, you know, back in the day, all the records we love, you know? Yeah. You know, it's pretty – it's the mind – like, the visual – I don't yeah. know, like, the visual interaction between, like, the eyes and the plugins, like, that's a different sort of thing that, like, a lot of the records that we love weren't a part of the equation, you know? Mm. Yeah. Is he asked if you know for someone just starting out what piece of gear? Mm. I'm saying for someone just starting out trying to be involved in music, what classic band, specifically one band? I'm talking at least 20, maybe 30 mm. years at minimum. What's the one 
that you would say, this is who you need to know in and out? I mean, there's, uh, to me... Just one, though. I know, I know. I mean, <laughs> to me as a... Uh, what resonates to me is, a, like, from a songwriting experience and from a, a production experience, if you wanted to learn how to connect with a listener, I, I would say probably Fleetwood Mac. Really? Wow. I didn't expect that I at all. That. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, well, why? What? Yeah. Uh... No, 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 no. What's your favorite Fleetwood no, Mac song? Our reactions are a little First, extreme. You have three seconds. Favorite Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac song? I, they're all good. Rumor. I mean, the the yeah. the deal is is that the way that they make the listener feel is yeah. like that's why. And I was expecting like a like Beatles or Beach Boys or Led I, Zeppelin. I, mean, I was thinking Led Zeppelin or Beatles. That was like the, yeah, I mean yeah. yeah, but from but no Fleetwood Mac great. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac is great. Yeah, no, for me that like I always. What what got me in the music was a uh, like a summer night with the windows down, driving home at like two in the morning, and mm-hmm. like like that's what like that's where I got passionate about music, and like mm-hmm. nothing that's what connects to me like the most, you know. It's just like music that makes you feel at peace and like you know, but you're just in it, and you know, and and so Fleetwood always did that for me, and like the songs wow. always, you know. For me, Fleetwood hmm. is like a legendary band. Okay. Now, more specific follow-up question. Okay. Since it was just mentioned. What would you tell someone like Ryan, hmm. who's not that into Led Zeppelin, how to be a better person? <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. I mean, dude, I have a lot of Led Zeppelin <laughs> records. I mean, I mean, and especially being a drummer, I mean, <laughs> John Bonham was like, I mean. He's John know. Bonham. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, dude. I mean, they they're, they're a polarizing band. One of one of my uh, early experiences, like um, as a young engineer and assistant, was working for a gentleman named Elliot Shiner, who um, mixed a lot of those uh, um, Fleetwood records, Eagles, Steely Dan, running Pro Tools for that guy. And you know, that, that's probably a bit of why I feel connected to that. You know, those records are. I feel like today you still put them on and. Those songs, man, they just sound like, yeah, they're so great. Yeah, and they make you, and there's no striving in them, you know. Hmm. Amen. Yeah. Now, wait, wait, before you go to that question, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Ooh. I got one last. I got one last thing before we go to the to the wrap. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. You okay. ask your question. Did you mix Danny's new record? Danny who? Danny Goki. Yes. Great. Okay. How great. do you feel about the new record? I love the new record. I've heard a few songs. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm really. I. I I think Danny is a really special artist, and I think that he talk about um, Yeah, I think that he um, has the ability to. He has ability to bring songs of hope that connect really and uniquely, you know, to listeners. I think that people love to hear encouragement from that guy, you know. Yeah, you know, because Danny is like the type of guy who's gone through a lot, and. and I really respect him because he's always looking outward. He's not ever, he's not looking inward. And even though, you know, he's... That's true. You know? That's so um, true. And I think that that's why God's put him in the platform that he has. Because he's able to do some serious work for him. So so you have an important question. We have an important question. Okay. This is a question we ask every guest. Uh-huh. Every single one. Okay. We forgot the first time, first episode. Brought the guy back on so we could ask him the question. That makes sense. Okay. We've had 20... Three episodes? I think you're I 23. Know. I feel like a book end's coming up. Like, <laughs> I feel like this is like the climax, right? 
Here's uh, the climax. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. kind of where, mm-hmm. where we start where we start yeah. wrapping things up. Now, actually, this question is is the reason I started this show. Okay. Because I've been in a lot of uh, interviews or a lot of you know in like uh, jobs and stuff yeah. like that, and they always ask the same stuff. Okay. You know what I mean? You watch a lot of the talk shows, right? Jimmy Fallon, who I love. This setup is this setup better be good. I mean, you bet whatever you're asking me better be good because this setup is like, I mean, I, I feel it. So I literally created this whole thing. If you had to pick, and you do, and you do. Now, there's an important thing about this question. You you can't it can't come from here, not from the head, not, not from the, the head, from the heart, from the heart. Which means, in a big way, there can be no delay. You'll get. That I feel that Sean the is a quick answer. Yeah. We get an answer. You'll get a quick answer. He's a hard answerer. And we'll accept a lot of answers. Sean, let me say this. When Sean walked in the door earlier, I thought, hard answerer. (laughs) Now, if you had to pick. And you do. And you do. What would you say is your favorite kind of turtle? Painter. Painter. Oh, wow. We've never gotten painter before. Well, paint. Paint? I like that. Wait, what is it? What's the what difference? Is it? I don't know what that is. Google it. I gotta Google that. That is was that a real new. turtle or just make that, that shit up? That was very good, I think. Last week was Paint green turtle? and we were not okay with green. Yeah, someone who's green turtle? Sean, Are you kidding me? Uh, Aaron Smith. Wow, painted turtle. Let's Google that. I said painted first, FYI. Oh, that's a nice looking turtle. I gotta say. Okay, so. Ooh, that's ooh, a good looking turtle. That's okay, beautiful. Here's the deal. I grew up in, in Easton, Connecticut. And we had a pond, and the, and our pond was a uh, a plenty with painted turtles. Let's show let's show everybody really? on the stream the painted turtle. Yeah, and I I caught Are him in the net. Are they seeing that right yeah, now? Yeah, they see this right yeah. now. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, okay. That's good. Wow. That's good. A painted turtle. Yeah. Whew. That is a good question. We've gotten a lot of answers. We've gotten ninja. We've gotten box turtle like nine times. I swear. What is your answer? Squirtle the turtle, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Works, yeah. My answer is ninja. Yeah, we've got Ninja a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Donatello. So. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that kind of tied everything together. <laughs> yeah, it really brought it all together. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we have to pick a last song to, to wrap it up to. Yeah. Wait, What's wait, the song Sean, dealer's choice. Hmm. If you could pick one song from your magnified repertoire. career, your repertoire, what would you say? Huh. Uh, I, I'll t- bring up Hush Kids. Hush Kids. I've never even heard of this. They're a brilliant band. This is The Color of Sadness by Hush Kids. Thanks for coming to hang out, and we will see you again next time. Next time. This is actually really cool. Color of Sadness is empty. Around me, around me Heavy is the darkness Thicker than the blood I bleed River of loneliness Flooding, flooding me Running down the highway Everything inside is changing little.
Everything inside is changing at home. 